Hello everyone, and welcome back to See the Sunrise. This is season two and episode 12. Seeing the Sunrise is about seeing Christ in everyday situations. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33 and verse three, the Lord spoke to the prophet while he was in prison. He said to him, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Seeing the sunrise is an opportunity to see what God is doing behind the scenes. Sometimes his presence is not keenly evident, but I assure you he is there. All we need to do is look for him. All week in my daily devotions, I've been walking through the story of Christ leading up to his resurrection. It began with Palm Sunday and Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So many things were symbolic of Jesus' character, and as his followers, it is the character that we are called to take on. On Palm Sunday, day one, Jesus rode on a donkey into Jerusalem. In a world that is at best chaotic, Jesus' entry on the back of a donkey, a donkey that had never been ridden before, was remarkable. Consider the donkey. It was untrained, and yet it didn't buck or veer off, but peacefully walked in the midst of waving palm branches and folks laying down their cloaks with people shouting out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Can't you just imagine the celebration and the excitement of that day? And then on day two, Monday, Jesus clears the temple of money changers. And while on his way back to Jerusalem, along with his disciples, Jesus curses a non-producing fig tree. Jesus was showing clear examples of what followers of Christ should not do. Christians are called to be fruit bearers people that are clearly seen as a living uh, examples of who Christ is and living a life for him, rendering themselves selfless and willing to help those in need and not taking advantage of others. On Tuesday, day three, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives and spoke to his disciples about the importance of faith. It was also the day that Judas negotiated with the Sanhedrin to betray Jesus. Faith is more than saying you believe, it's also actions that demonstrate your belief. On day four, it was designated as Holy Wednesday, but there's no clear representation of what he did on that day. It is speculated that Jesus, after an exhausting two days, he took some time to rest, realizing what he was about to face. If anything, Jesus knew life isn't easy and knowing what was to come, he realized that he needed his strength. He needed strength to endure and to accept and follow through with the plan of his father. It is a great reminder of the importance of the Sabbath and self-care so that you have the energy to carry out the Lord's plan. On day five, Jesus sent Peter and John ahead to prepare the upper room in Jerusalem to make the preparation for the Passover feast. I have had the privilege of attending a Jewish Seder and it was eye-opening and it helped me to see how the story of God's deliverance is kept alive. I encourage you, if you ever get the opportunity to attend one, it is well worth the time and effort as you see how a community keeps their faith alive through the recognition of God's deliverance from captivity when the blood of a spotless lamb was placed over the doorpost and the death angel passed over any home that had the blood. They tell the story to their children's children. Dinner parties are fun and engaging, especially with people you are close to who mean much to you. And the Passover feast was no different except that it was the last meal that 
the disciples would get to share with Jesus' time on earth. It would be hard to eat with anyone knowing that you won't see them again, but it's a dinner you don't want to miss. It demonstrated a closeness that Jesus had with the disciples. And in an act of humble service before the meal, Jesus kneels down and washes the disciples' feet. Not as Lord over them, but one with them. Such clear humility humbles us, humbles those served. It is what we must do if we are to exemplify Christian attitude and behaviors. On Friday, day six, Jesus is put on trial, crucified, dies, and buried. I didn't understand at one point how he could rise on the third day if he died on Friday. But before I started studying the scripture, I really had lots of questions from Friday to Sunday, is it three days? So I asked the Lord, and he took me back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 5, when God created the heavens and the earth. Let me share it with you. It says, and God called the light day and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. The day started with the evening. Therefore, it resolved my question of Jesus rising in three days. We have come to know this first day as Good Friday. Have you ever wondered why they call it Good Friday? What makes it good? It seems counterintuitive to Christians to call the day our Lord was put on trial beaten, carried a cross, nailed, scorned, and then dies. What makes it good? Well, what makes it good is that the result of the crucifixion would pay off our sin debt, thereby giving us the right to eternal life. For us, it is a Good Friday. Now that's a hallelujah moment. On day seven at the tomb, guards were placed outside to ensure no one would attempt to steal his body so that they could substantiate claims that he was no Messiah. His body was ceremonially treated for burial with spices purchased by Nicodemus. And according to the Gospel of John in chapter 19 and verse 39 through 40, he says he brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. It's noteworthy here to explain in Jewish custom, individuals are not officially declared dead until after three days. According to Jewish tradition, a person's soul remained with his or, by, his or her body for three days, and after the three days, the soul or the spirit leaves. There would be no room to argue that Jesus wasn't dead so that they would not be able to dispute him being raised from the dead, and it fulfilled the prophecies that are, that are recorded in our word. It's interesting that Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea were both members of the Sanhedrin, the court that condemned Jesus to death, but they were secret followers, fearful to publicly acknowledge their profession of faith. Yet they were the two people who helped with his burial. May we not be found like that. May we boldly declare our faith. They didn't want their prominent positions in the Jewish community put in jeopardy, yet they came out of hiding when they finally realized that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah. Jesus was and is the spotless Lamb of God who sacrificed his life and paid the price for our redemption. On day eight, Sunday, Resurrection Day, Easter Sunday, we reach the culmination of Holy Week. It is the most important event of our Christian faith. It was early on that Sunday morning that three women went to the tomb and these three women found that the stone that was put in place to keep Jesus inside had been rolled away. There appeared an angel that spoke to them 
to quiet the fears that they had. He said, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene, to Peter, to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and to all the other disciples except Thomas while they were gathered in the house of prayer. All of the Gospels provide eyewitness account of what Christians believe to be undeniable evidence today that the resurrection of Jesus Christ indeed occurred. Their words may vary, their accounts may vary, but one thing is consistent, and that is the tomb was empty. Two millennia after his death and today, followers of Christ still flock to Jerusalem to see that empty tomb. I'm reminded of a sermon I heard not too long ago, and it was so powerful that it bears repeating. You see, they put guards outside the tomb for fear that his disciples would come at night and steal the body to make it appear that Jesus indeed had been resurrected. They really just didn't believe he was, but just in case. So Pilate secured the tomb with a stone and guards. However, while they secured the outside, they failed to understand that the power was on the inside and nothing was going to be able to defeat the power of God. Isn't that good news? That same power resides in us. And so we know that when we hear those that no weapon formed against us will prosper, we know that because we have the spirit of God, the power of God living in us. What good news, Hosanna. Praise be to God, our Savior lives. Because of Jesus, we too have power living on the inside. And it is that power that we are able, with that power, we're able to accomplish his will. We're able to overcome obstacles and to rise up from the ashes, to brush ourselves off when disappointment comes, to be encouraged when trials come, to have hope when death comes. Thanks be to God for our resurrected Savior. All power in heaven and on earth are in his hand. Praise God for Jesus. Praise God for his son, for our Savior, our Redeemer, Lord of Lords, the one who awaits us when our work down here is done. God bless you. Happy Easter, everyone. What a wonderful blessing it is and what a blessing it continues to be for us as we await his coming. But while we wait, may he find us working and thankful for the for the sacrifice he gave so that we could live. Until next time, God bless you and be sure to see the sunrise to see Christ in your everyday situations.